Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and we are here at last, finally, ready to talk about the brand new DC Universe film, The Flash. It has released officially, even though every, a lot of people already saw it beforehand, but it has officially released, and we are here to talk about it in spoilery and non-spoilery fashion. And when I say me or we, I mean myself and my co-host, uh, you guys hear him every time on these episodes. It's Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, how are you, buddy? I'm good. We have all finally seen The Flash in its entirety. Yeah, in <laughs> its entirety, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's good to finally be able to talk about a film that, I mean, some of us have seen three, four weeks ago by now. Definitely. And yeah. uh, I think... Because we have one more person with us. I think he's seen it just the once. He'll have to confirm that. But returning guest, he's been with us many times before. It's my buddy, Matt Hewlin. Matt, how are you? I'm doing good, Eric. And yeah, I've only seen it the one time. Unlike some uh, <clears throat> some uh, other uh, lucky folks um, <laughs> on this particular podcast. But uh, yeah, so glad to be here and uh, ready to talk uh, shop with you guys. Excellent. And yeah, uh, Matt and Joe brought it up, you know, myself and Joe, we had seen the early screenings and we're going to talk a little bit about that later because I have some thoughts about the early screenings and, and what impact that could have had potentially on the movie. Um, but yeah, here we are. So without further ado, let's get into it. The brand new DC film, The Flash. So we are going to start in a spoiler-free fashion because it is still kind of the opening frame of the movie. It's it's just been out this past weekend. The film released on June 16th officially. It is directed by Andy Muschietti, known from the It series. And it stars Ezra Miller. It stars Michael Keaton, Sasha Kaye, Kiersey Clemens. Ben Affleck, Michael Shannon, and so many more. Uh, this movie has been in the works for years. Uh, strangely, this movie was announced just shortly before the Flash TV series began, and it in and <laughs> it actually officially released here um, after nine seasons of the Flash TV series has completed. So I think officially it's like 10 years since it was first announced that we finally have this movie, which is, you know, there's a whole nother set of stories behind that, which everybody already knows. So we're not going to go over that, but 
I have two really good friends here. We've all been very excited for this movie. So to start just spoiler free, so you guys don't have to be worried if you haven't seen it, Joe, let's start with you. Spoiler free. What did you think of the flash? I love this movie. Um, it is up in my top tier rankings for the DCEU. Um, I, I really just, uh, I want to say like, it's hard for me to like talk about this without going into spoilers. Cause I, it's, I think I love the fact that I always talk about how these films need to have emotion for me. And this one definitely had the emotion that I was looking for. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing, first and foremost, this is a flash movie. Um, this borders on spoilers kind of, but I don't think it does. A lot of the marketing was based on Batman and we had those ongoing jokes about, Oh, it's a Batman movie with the flash. In my opinion, this is 100% a flash movie that just so happens to have Batman and Supergirl in it. Mm. And that to me, I think was the most important thing coming out of this movie for me was it, it, it focused on Barry and the other characters serviced um, Barry's story or served Barry's story. So that's, to me, that's what I really loved about this. And the humor is there. The emotion is there. The action is there. This film gave me a lot of stuff that I expected and a lot of stuff that I hoped for. It was pretty much the movie that we were promised, in my opinion. And I think maybe some people wanted more than that, which I, I don't know how much we can really get into that on why that is or if that's warranted or not. Because to me, I think we were promised the movie and we got the movie we were promised. So I, I don't know how that could be a negative. I think I would have liked some things maybe surprised us more. Mm. But... I think that goes back to how we talk sometimes about how sometimes the second viewing is where you can really digest how you truly feel about a movie like this because we amp ourselves up so much. And and I can honestly say after seeing it twice all the way through, <laughs> I saw it a half a time, another time I can get into that in a little bit on why I chose to do that. But after pretty much three viewings, um, I can honestly say this movie is exactly uh, what I thought it was after my first viewing, and I probably like it even a little more after seeing it multiple times. Very nice. Um, I agree with quite a bit of what you said there, but we'll get into that first. Matt, I know you've you've seen it the one time, so just general spoiler-free thoughts. Give me an idea of your feelings on The Flash. I kind of just echo what uh, what Joe said. Um I, I loved it. Uh, I think I texted you right after I saw it and said that it was, um, that, like he said, top top tier. Um, it, it, it possibly, I mean, even, you know, very strong contender for my second, like, DCEU movie. Um, it is 100% a Flash movie. Um, and maybe when we like get in over the spoiler wall, like I'll, I'll go over it more, but like, to me, it's a, it's even a, a flash origin story almost um, in a way um, that I think is a, a really nice touch. And it, it's, it's a fun movie to watch and it gives us um, it, it, especially with all of the, 
the drama in the background and all the different iterations I'm sure that this movie went through during production um I I think it exceeds what anyone should should expect um uh, from what what many people are expecting um from it I think it's fantastic and I'm I'm ready to to see um for my second and third viewings um yeah fan fantastic especially with what what they were given and i was i was even as excited as i was i was very surprised with with how much i liked it nice um yeah so i i echo a lot of what you said as well for myself um i will fully admit is this the you know the did i let some of my expectations run a little bit wild yeah i did um I, on my first viewing, because I did see an early screening of this, I thought, you know, there were going to be some things that didn't happen. And after my first viewing, I was like, okay, it didn't happen. It's cool. And then after my second viewing, man, I really, really love this film. It is by no means, uh, you know, I talked about on our last episode when we covered Man of Steel, you know, I've been waiting 10 years for a DCEU movie to top Man of Steel for me. Um, and that still hasn't happened, just to be transparent. The Flash, um, it has not taken over the number one spot. I don't know, because we're coming up on the end here. We've got Blue Beetle and Aquaman too. I don't think, uh, unless they're just phenomenal, I don't know that anyone's going to move that movie out of that seat for me right now. But... I will say, you know, that's it. the Flash did not have to be the best DCEU film for me. It just had to be great or good. And I got that. Um, I don't know where it ranks yet. I'm going to have to sit on it for a little while before I decide that. But I will say, it, I think it's going to be pretty high on my ranking. And this cast killed it, in my opinion. And first and foremost, I know it's not popular to talk about this person, but... Ezra Miller is phenomenal in this movie. Ezra plays two different versions of himself and plays it fantastically. They feel distinct as characters. Michael Keaton, it's like he never missed a step. He's wonderful. Sasha Kaye, while I don't think she's quite as impactful as some people may have led you to believe, she's wonderful. Um, I just don't think there's enough of her. And that's not a spoiler. I mean, it's, it's just, it is the way it is. Uh, but Michael Shannon, great as usual. I mean, this whole cast was wonderful. And there were surprises. So it was, I think this movie kind of suffered from being um, late in the game on the whole multiverse trend. Uh, because everybody is going to have expectations of Spider-Man No Way Home or Doctor Strange or across the, you know, the just released across the Spider-Verse. So I think that that is a little, it is going to impact the film a little bit, but as a film itself, it's wonderful. And I highly suggest it to see, go see it because not enough of you have <laughs> according to the, to the opening weekend box office. Um, but yeah, so far as the movie itself, just before we go, go over the wall, Matt, Joe, is there anything else that you guys wanted to throw in like kind of spoiler free before we move on? I I don't know if this kind of falls into spoilers or not, but I want to push back a little bit on the whole 
multiverse comparisons because I think that's unfair. Maybe that's a marketing issue with this movie because to me, it completely is. It never occurred to me to compare this film to any of the movies you mentioned, because to me, this isn't a multiverse movie and maybe that's blasphemy for me to say this, but that's not what I took away from this movie at all. To me, this is a flash movie combined with back to the future. I don't think back to the future is a multiverse movie. Yeah, right. It, I'm it's perception, Joe. It's not what the movie yeah. actually is. It's perception. Yeah, no. And, and I agree with what you said, because I think that isn't on it's what's being compared to it. Like I've seen like people say like, oh man, how unfair is it? That this came out right after across the spider verse. And I'm like, why? I love both. <laughs> like, I don't understand, but uh, that's, and we'll get more into that with the spoilers. But I think people, if you're still on the fence about going to see this because you're comparing it to other movies, I say just go into this and expect a good Flash movie um, and don't compare it to other things. Agreed. Like if if you like the Flash, if you're a fan of the Flash, like this is a Flash movie, go see the movie. You'll you'll enjoy it. Like it's take the take the multiversal stuff out of it. Like. Uh, we were talking kind of before we started recording uh joe you said there's not really a movie like it kind of stands on its own um and i would i would kind of agree i think the only thing i would recommend someone watch um like i was talking to my dad about it and i told him if he if he went to see it like rewatch man of steel first and that's Mm -hmm. and that's that's pretty much it and that's only like and that's not even a, a prerequisite you could still you know you could still get the good flash movie but well and that's what i was saying earlier is i think there's some benefit from watching some of those earlier films but it's it's not not a a necessity at all yeah because the man of steel stuff i think they set it up very well and explain it well without you having a really good job it's a good job of like exposition in the movie they're they're catching you up because they have to catch up the characters in the movie so i think that's done really well there yeah all right well i think that's a good point um if you guys have not seen the flash this is your hopping off point i implore you go out to the theater support this film it's worth your money and your time so go see the flash and then come back because we are going to go completely into spoilers in three two one all right we are in the speed force we are over the spoiler wall so we're going to talk openly about the flash um the first thing and i i want to get your guys uh because i know this is probably one of the most controversial points of the film um i wanted to talk performances i want to start with ezra miller um because of course everything that's been going on with Ezra, we're not going to talk about all that, but we, I mean, of course that's, that's forefront on people's minds. So just to lay it out there, um, I think Ezra, regardless, I mean, separating art and artist, Ezra Miller was phenomenal as the two versions and, and three, technically three versions of Barry Allen in this movie. Um, he plays, you know, his, his current timeline self, he plays a younger version of himself, uh, when he, when he goes back in time to try to save his mother. Cause everybody knows that's what the premise of the movie is. And, he, uh, he runs into this younger version of himself. And I love that, 
he kind of sees how annoying he can be at times uh, through seeing this younger version of himself. So Joe, uh, I'll start with you. Just what did you think of Ezra Miller in this movie? That was actually one of my favorite humorous beats of the film was when he's like, Oh, now I understand what everyone's thinking. (laughs) Like, cause um, I, again, yeah, I don't want to get into the whole off, um, you know, behind the scenes stuff with Ezra is what it is. I don't want to go down that road. I want to just talk about Ezra as an actor in this film. And, and I think he's, he's unbelievable. Uh, um, I swear to you when I say, when I first saw this film, I forgot that like, I'm watching a film where there aren't two Ezra's like the, he's, he's not a twin. Like, <laughs> like it never even occurred to me while watching it, that he's not acting with himself. It is so seamless to me. And I've heard people say that there were a few spots that it looked iffy. And I, I, on three viewings, I haven't seen that. Um, I think he was exceptional. Um, You said distinct between the two main roles. And I agree. He's playing two different parts, whether he's playing Barry or not both times. It's a completely different version of Barry. And I love how he plays off of himself, which I can't even fathom that. Like, how do you have chemistry with nobody? Like he, whoever Mm. is standing in for him must have great chemistry with him to even play that off. Um, just a, a really great job. And I, I, I do want to say that the stand in needs credit too here. And I, I'm blanking on the name cause I have seen it in the last few days. Um, he deserves some credit too, because he's got to be playing a pretty big role there to, to make this happen and make it work as well as it did. But I love Ezra in this movie. And, and also it is a different take on Barry from the comics. I think with the general audience, that shouldn't matter at all because let's not pretend the general audience loves Barry Allen from the comics. Um, I like to remind everyone that Robert Downey Jr. could not be further from Iron Man in the comics, but nobody cares. So let's not hold that against this version of Barry because I think it works really well. Um, I think it worked really well in Justice League and I think it works here. I I love the character and I love what he's doing with it. Well, and I will cut in and say that um, there was on my second watch, I agree with you. I did not see any moments where the two berries were on screen where it was like that doesn't look great. There was there was just one moment, and it and it didn't even look bad. It was just noticeable, and it's in the it's in the um the Batwing when you get that forward facing shot of mm. you see Batman in the center and you see the two berries in the back off to the sides. Um, there's one there's a moment there where the young Barry looks very kind of blurry, and it's like okay, well that that's a CGI effect, but like you said, I mean, for 95% of the movie, when those two are on screen, they look great. It's, yeah. it's very hard to, to tell that it's a, it's a CGI creation there. Um, but Matt, Ezra Miller, what did you think of the performance in the film? He was one of, if not my favorite part of the movie. I mean, he amazing performance just everything you guys have said as far as just it's astounding to me how how well like i can't imagine as an actor like trying to you know run through all of these scenes um you know through this entire movie like you know playing one character then going back and shooting the exact same scene again like 
and I know it's I know this is not the first time it's been done, but I feel like it's done remarkably well for for this movie. Um, it I I didn't I never I never had any there was never any like blurry moments or or anything like that where it just seemed off to me. Um, I didn't even notice the um, the one blip that you that you mentioned, um, and it it just like this is not. I've said before, like in the in the um, Justice League movie and the even um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, like I have not been the biggest Ezra Miller Ezra Miller um, Barry Allen fan. Um, it just is not is not really struck well with me from all the other renditions of, of Barry Allen's flash that like, I know, but this movie made Mm -hmm. me fall in love with it. Like I, it it separated him enough. He's not, he's not like that typical comic or like the animated, like justice league, like flash, you know, that I like grew up with, but it, it works in this universe and it, it works even even better now i feel like you know if i go back and rewatch the you know the justice league movies like it's gonna i'm gonna enjoy it even more because of the performance in this this movie and another thing that um that i want to point out like as far as the like dual performances it is he does a really good job of kind of even his mannerisms and his almost his like little nervous twitches and things I feel like are very prominent in the very beginning of the movie before the, the time split or, you know, him going back in time versus where he ends up towards the end of the movie. Like mm-hmm. our, our, you know, the, the, the main Barry and not the, the offshoot Barry, like he starts to become more, more grounded and more more mature just in in that you know and it's you can really start to see it's it's a side effect of what he's experiencing and what he's learning but also what he's learning from teaching his younger self how to become the flash and and kind of seeing that mirror um which is something that to me relates just in in everyday life, I feel like everybody should be able to relate to that because, you know, teaching something that, you know, really starts to like ground your knowledge and, and skill and whatever, whatever it is you're teaching. And I feel like that's, that's, that was very evident to me watching the movie. Um, and I think is, I think is, is in due not just to the writing, but in his performance and how he displays that. Because at the same time, you know, he's, he's he's playing the other side of himself that is is not learning from those lessons and it shows the difference kind of in what um barry what his experiences um through the the main timeline barry uh, allowed him to learn this and why his younger self has not because he hasn't had those experiences yeah yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and the other kind of 
I guess, controversial topic, which I wanted to get out of the way early. And I've already talked to Joe about this. I don't think I've brought it up with you, Matt. Uh, but this movie is 100% canon to Zack Snyder's Justice League. And I love that. Because there was this there was this whole big thing, like immediately after Zack Snyder's Justice League came out, that, you know, there will be no more in this universe. You know, it's and Justice League 2017 is, is canon, blah, 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 blah. Well, this movie... And it's not it's not very thinly veiled. I mean, it's pretty uh, critical early in the movie. It's the setup for the entire film. There's a conversation between Ben Affleck's Batman, Bruce Wayne, and Barry, where they're talking about the potential of going back in time. And Bruce Wayne mentions that Barry's done it in the past. And he kind of brings up the moment in Russia where he went back in time, which only happens in the Zack Snyder version of Justice League. And there's also a, there's a quick moment between Barry and Iris West where she mentions, you know, thinking she's seen him for a moment recently, and which is obviously a callback to Iris and Barry's scene in Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, I mean, I was thrilled coming out of the theater the first time. I think that was the, my biggest sticking point. I was like, I can't believe they did this, but I love it. So in reverse, we'll start with you, Matt, and it, uh, just... Quick thought on that. Did you catch that in the theater? And what do you think of this being canon with Snyder's? I caught both of the, I caught both of the um the references. I don't think that I caught the fact that it was distinct for um Zack Snyder's Justice League because it I'll be honest, it has I watched that. I've only watched it through the one time, just because it's it's such a monster of a mm-hmm. of a sit down. Um, but I will say I have not watched uh, the 2017 Justice League probably since I watched it the first time as well. Um, so my like lines are kind of blurred on like what um, what's in each know, one. What, what is different yeah. between the two. Yeah. So I was, now that you um, pointed out, especially the, the Iris West thing, I, um, I distinctly now remember that being only in Zack Snyder's justice league. Cause it was one of the, um, you know, the exposition that we got on expanded, you know, backstory we got for flash and, and cyborg. Um, but I thought that the, that the back in time thing, I thought that was also in the 2017 version, but if it's not, I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very surprised that that's, you know, the route they went with. Cause in my head this whole time I've been thinking, well, okay, just, just remember this is going off of the, you know, the 20, this 2017, the, you know, official theatrical release of justice league. Like that's what I'm assuming is going to be Canon. Um, yeah, because the the reversal In the reversal universe. of time, I would say, and Joe, you can speak to this. It's the critical difference in the end, like the ending, um, the ending act of the movie between the theatrical and Zack Snyder's version. I mean, the Flash turning back time is the critical difference between the two. Wouldn't you say so, Joe? Yeah, definitely. It's funny now that I'm thinking about it. I can't even remember how the theatrical ends. <laughs> Like, what is the big climax when they're all fighting? How do they... I don't even remember how they defeat Steppenwolf in the theatrical. It's just just Superman coming back. 
because you've got you've got Barry pushing a truck full of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember you know, that, that. that family out of the city. Yeah, I don't even remember how they defeat Steppenwolf though. Did Steppenwolf die? Oh, the fear thing with the um with the, 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 the parademons. Parademons. That's yeah. right. But um, so yes, to me that is the the biggest uh, selling point, if you will, of Zack Snyder Justice League is the the climax of that film is is brilliant, and Barry is the one that makes the difference. I think that the way they did it was kind of a, and I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean it in a positive. It's kind of a have your cake and eat it too type of scenario because most directors that have made a film post justice league have said they consider Zach's movie or Zach's version, the canon. Um, Mm -hmm. but they haven't really explicitly gone one way or the other, um, in their own films. Like they, it could go either way. And I think in this film, this is the first one that explicitly mentioned something that happened in Zach's film. But I think they're done in a way that if you've never seen it, it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. if WB wanted Justice League 2017 to be canon in the general audience's eyes, because they might not even know Zach's version exists, I think they're still okay. I'm glad for myself and for all of us that we now have concrete evidence that Zach's version is our version. Um, mm-hmm. It was always going to be anyway. I'm just glad it didn't contradict the other way. Cause that would have been really upsetting. So I said, going into the film, I'm okay with you keeping it vague. So both can work. I'm happy that it went in our favor. <laughs> I would have been fine if it was just in the middle though. But yeah, I, it was a, I didn't catch the Iris West thing. The first time I saw it, but when they mentioned Russia, I lost it. And I, I can never remember the name of the, the city in Russia. Uh, it starts with a P. I can't remember. Um, but I had just watched Zach's Justice League, like literally the day before watching The Flash for the first time. So I remembered it when I heard it. I'm like, oh, that's it. Like I was that I was Leonardo DiCaprio, um, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was thrilled. And I to me, knowing that now. I mean, it was always going to be the case for us anyway, but you know, you watch Man of Steel, BVS, Zack's Justice League, and then this, that's a pretty complete story. And I, I know I've said this before, and this might, this is kind of a little of a tangent. I love that if you're doing a, like a rewatch or a, a character arc viewing of like one of your favorite characters, you can kind of do that with any of these characters in this universe in like maybe two or three or even four movies. I love that. Like you can, I mean, even with the flesh, you could technically just watch justice league and then this movie without going into man of steel. Like there's, there's so much fun stuff with this universe that still allows you to watch standalone things and get complete arcs also. But wait, and, and I guess technically, now that I'm thinking about it, like if you're a person who, and there there are there are those out there, if you're the person who prefers the theatrical cut of Justice League over Zack Snyder's Justice League, the, I mean the way this movie is explained, and and I want to say this, the explanation of time travel and what happens when you do so is so 
well-defined and I love how they explain it. And the, 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 the fact that Batman is the one to explain it. Love that too. The spaghetti thing is brilliant. The spaghetti. Yes. But I guess thinking about it that way, um, you could look at it as well. There's a, there's a branch there. There's a piece of spaghetti where JL 2017 is the movie that leads into this. I guess you could look at it that way, right? Well, and it also like doesn't the if you've never seen Zack Snyder's Justice League and you've only seen these movies in in theaters, like the it, you may be like a little huh, like if you catch the the Bruce Wayne like Russia like reference, but at the same time, like it doesn't take away like you can 100% only look at theatrical re- releases for the whole universe yeah. and not lose anything. Like, again, it, it goes back to what we were talking about. It's standing on its own two feet um, and not having to be dependent on any of the others. Like, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't take away from anything, but it does, it does kind of pay homage or like to the, to the, to the really hardcore fans that are always like, you know, that do prefer the yeah. Zack Snyder. Well, you could also just Justice say, League. if you never saw the theater, uh, just a uh, Snyder version, you could just say, well, Oh, they must've just had another mission that I didn't know about because they're clearly working together as the justice league. So it could be anything. It doesn't, sure. it doesn't need to be yeah. something we even saw on screen. I'm just glad we did. So, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and I think it, it's a credit to Andy Muschietti where you know, it, it is possible to look at it from all these different angles and talk. And speaking of Muschietti, I love what he did here with this movie. We talked about, you know, I brought up how well explained that the time travel is. Um, and I did want to say, you know, even though this is very much a flash centric movie and Barry Allen is the main character, it's his story. This is a Batman podcast. So clearly we're going to talk about Batman and there are, what I contend are some of the best Batman moments ever put to screen in this movie. Now I'm not going to say anything surpasses the Martha rescue um, because I don't think there are moments that do, but for both Ben Affleck for the short time that he's in the movie and Michael Keaton, their Batman or their Batman get some extraordinary things to do in this movie from the opening sequence, which is so fun. Um, I, this might be the opening sequence of the movie where Ben Affleck's Batman is chasing um, Carmine Falcone's son through the streets of Gotham. And he's got Barry, you know, saving this, you know, he's taking care of this hospital in Gotham that's collapsing while he's trying to apprehend, you know, Falcone's kid. This highway chase is so awesome and so comic booky. And then later in the film, we just get this awesome scene of, of, you know, Michael Keaton's Batman in this Russian or, or wherever they are, the silo. These scenes are some of the best visual Batman scenes we've ever gotten. And it makes me so excited that, uh, that Andy Muschietti is now going to be the director of the brave and the bold. So just thoughts on that, Matt, what did you think of, of the Batman action in this movie? Um, first of all, I, I loved Keaton's Batman and his introduction 
um the uh the whole fight scene in the kitchen uh with the two berries and and keaton looking like a uh um uh the dude jeff bridges is the dude uh and just uh kicking ass in his flip-flops i thought that was one of the most entertaining uh sets for the um uh for the entire movie for me by the way i'm glad um, you brought that up because i think that I was megan's favorite part of the movie she keeps bringing up michael keaton flip-flops. <laughs> so, just wanted to say that <laughs> Um, but yeah, like I, I especially love the take on Keaton's Batman. Um, and I think his, I think his performance really kind of showed it where it's like, we get a, we get a successful Batman. We get a Batman that's, that's, that's in retirement, not because he's jaded and, and, and worn out and, and lost so much, but because he kind of won, you know, like he, he, I mean, he he won. Like he he stopped being Batman because Gotham didn't need Batman anymore. Um, and I think that was a a really cool way to to do it instead of you know kind of treading over this whole like you know not that it's a bad story arc. Um, because I mean we all love the Dark Knight Returns and and stuff, but like it's 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 just it's a it's a fresh take and it's something i'm i'm glad keaton got as kind of a you know for i'm I'm assuming we're all assuming that this is his you know last foray as as a cape crusader you know kind of i think it's a i think it's a nice way to to uh to end it and 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 a nice different take i would assume it's Um, the last for affleck and keaton yeah um but you i mean you, you never know in yeah. in Hollywood, so that's why I just throw that in there. But I, I mean, I, I honestly I wouldn't want to see any more from Keaton because this is such a good way I feel like to go out and show kind of how his Batman ended up. Um, now for the I'm gonna kind of go contrary to uh to you guys. You're you're probably gonna uh kick me off the show and re-record this whole thing but um i, I like the sequence of the like chase um but as far as like the practicality of like affleck's suit and kind of his his performance like in the bat suit it was one of the th- it was probably one of my nitpicks for the film um it just was not um like the close-ups and stuff of him, like on the bridge, and um, it just it something just seemed off about it, um, which which is I know is kind of a a shame. Like I love what the conversations with him and and stuff like as Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne, um, and I think part of it might have been just the the suit just didn't seem it it seemed like very ill-fitting and just didn't I, I i really did not like the suit especially um which again kind of sucks because i love the colors i love that we got to see the blue and gray on batman but i i feel like i, I wish we had seen it on a, a little bit better developed suit um, well 
I, I was yeah. I will say I was speaking purely from an action standpoint there. Um, but I will agree yeah. with you that I this suit's a, it's it's way too busy for me. Yeah, it's like it tries to be classic, but then like a yeah, bunch of and, like and modern, just like random stuff like thrown on it. I and still it just fail. I still uh, fail to understand why we just can't just take the BVS suit and if you want to do blue and gray, make it make make the cowl and the and the cape gray or blue. Excuse me, because it, yeah. BVS the Batman suit was perfection, and they have failed to live up to it ever since. But um, and I do think it's because. Because if you've noticed, Affleck's uncredited in the film. Um, none of the none of the merchandise looks like him, so I don't even know if they made a new suit for him in particular in this movie, or if most of it was made for the stunt doubles. Because you're right, it doesn't look great when it's in the close-ups on Affleck when it's just him standing on the bridge talking. But action-wise, I think it was great Batman action. Oh yeah, yeah, I would I would definitely agree. So Joe, I'm going to give you your turn now. The Batman action in the film. What did you think? And, and you can you can uh, give us a rebuttal on the on the look of the suit if you want. No, I, I agree with the suit. Um, I will say the action in the first scene I love. Um, and I think mm-hmm. too many people, again, my opinion, too many people are focusing on the quote unquote poor CGI in certain cases in that chase. But there is a lot of awesome practical action in that scene too. And yes, it does kind of jump back and forth. And um, like, I mean, unless you really wanted like a stunt double doing that stuff that Batman was doing and risking his life more than he should be, um, there's really nothing you can do in that case. But I think they deserve credit for some of the practical stuff that was in that scene, too. There was a lot of great practical chase there. And I will say, as far as the suit goes, I don't like the design of the suit. But I don't think that's what bothers me because I could have gone with it. I do wonder because we've seen that suit, like we, we we've seen you know the stunt double in the costume. And there was a practical suit there. I question whether it looks poor because of the color correction to make it blue, or there's something about when Ben Affleck is in the suit, the cowl and the cape look almost completely CGI. Like it's got a gloss over it. Like I've, I've complained about like the Spider-Man suit before. It seems like it has like a CGI gloss over it. So I don't know if that's the color correction that just didn't work or if it was strictly like a CGI cowl. Cause that's, there was a lot of like, um, it seemed flat. Like there was no texture to the cowl. Or the cape. So I don't know what the deal is with that. But again, I can look past that stuff. Like, yeah, it's it's a little disappointing. But in a movie where, like, there's it's a two-hour and 24-minute movie, the poor CGI in certain aspects of that scene amount to, what, two minutes of screen time, maybe? Where, like, I'm loving all the other stuff that we're getting, like the action with Batman. That, like, you can't do certain things practically. So... Yes, some CGI might look iffy, but also the movie can't cost five hundred million. This is an Avatar, so <laughs> they're yeah. gonna have to cut corners somewhere. And when this, when it's happening that fast, and it's just going and going and going. Okay, fine. It, it doesn't look perfect. I, it is what it is. I still love what we're getting from Batman in those scenes. I love that we get our Wonder Woman cameo there at the end. Um, 
do I wish the suit looked better? Yeah, of course I do. I'm with you. Why make it busy just to make it different for the bike? And I, I get like, I don't know. I, like they, they feel they need to make it a practical protective gear for the bike for some reason. But I don't even think it looked that bad in context. I think it's just something about it didn't look right. Yeah. I so About the like the... I will say, I think if you just had, there are specific like shots in, in the chase scene where like that armor plating and stuff does come into play. Like, um, mm-hmm. like when he gets, like when he ditches the bike and gets like, is just being pulled behind the Humvee, like, like he would, he would have been shredded. Like, I mean, I don't care what kind of like, you know, Batman plot armor you give him. Like if you, if you didn't have something on that suit like to explain that it would have that would have taken we instead of we would have been like oh the suit looked great but it completely took me out of it whenever he got drugged across the pavement and then suits like completely clean so like i get that it's just it just didn't seem like what they put on it really meshed with the suit it didn't look like something bruce wayne or alfred like would have like or lucius fox like would have like put on the suit and as far as the cow like if it was a strictly CGI cow, they went above and beyond to make it look like it didn't fit on Affleck's face. Is was like one of my like. Well, I chalk that up too because if you if you watch some of the later scene, like the the post shot scenes in Zack Snyder's Justice League, mm-hmm. um, his face doesn't fit the cow anymore, and I don't think they've molded a new cow for him. Gotcha. Um, it he's he's lost weight in his face. And I did notice that when they were talking on the bridge, the, the cow just doesn't fit his face. But I still, yeah, I he does. He does. Bothers yeah. me though. I think it's the cowl itself. I think he, I think there's, I think his face is CGI. Um, in like the close-ups when he's on the bike and he's talking to Barry, that's the part where it almost seems like the ADR doesn't fit his mouth. That's a little shaky, but again, it's, to me, that's not bad CGI. It's like, all right, it doesn't line up a little bit. I can move on. Um, yeah. But to me, the cowl itself looks poorly lit. I don't even care about his face looking weird in the cowl as much as like, in, like you said, in, in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Yeah, it it clearly doesn't look like it fits right. But this looks almost like it looks fake as opposed to not fitting right to me. But again, I, yeah. I feel like we've spent too but much time on this already. We will, I, I don't even yeah, care we, we won't yeah. beat that to death. But you did bring up Wonder Woman, so I did want to I, I want to talk about that really quickly because that's one of my biggest nitpicks of the movie. Um, I don't like the Wonder Woman moment. Uh, for me, it feels like every time she now it's starting to feel like every time she pops up, they hit the music, and it's just kind of a little bit of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. I think I think they know that how impactful that first wonder woman movie is. And you know, that uh, of course her showing up in that, you know, that big scene in Batman versus Superman was so awesome when that music kicks in. And it just feels like they're trying to replicate that all the time now. And I don't know her pulling them up on the bridge. It's like, did she really need to be there at that point? I know they were trying to get the justice league back together thing. Um, I don't know. I just, it didn't hit the right chords for me. It felt a little like, okay, well we got to get wonder woman in here because it's the justice league and we don't have Henry. So it, I don't know. 
you guys can speak to that, but it just didn't hit well with me this yeah, time. I'll fight you on that. So uh, the, I disagree completely. The way, yeah, the way I look at it is kind of like I f- I feel like it does do the the movie uh, justice, at least setting up that like first part of the world because you know she she kind of comes in like someone else from the Justice League besides you know it gives a presence other than just you know the like the shot we get of you know superman on the tv or whatever being busy doing whatever else but then Mm -hmm. i kind of like okay well why wonder woman and it may just it may be like you said like they're trying to get as much of that nostalgia like kind of play um in it but also like if we kind of look at the politics and stuff behind this movie like you you're not getting cyborg because of that reason uh you're not getting henry um you know because of again similar reasons um because i feel like if you had i feel like if you had had a superman like honestly i feel like superman would have served just as much of a a that role and may have been even more impactful because of what happens later on in the movie where we find out he doesn't even exist and he's dead Mm -hmm after you know um mm. barry goes back in time but because you can't get him well you could definitely get momoa like i could definitely see him he's kind of just a hell yeah like i'm on it but does it really fit in like what could what really could aquaman have come in and done that would have fit in the in the scene so then you have gal who's probably just as willing as jason is to come in and do all of it um you know, well, so like I, I th- for that, but I think, I think, I think the biggest issue there is it feels like the others were supposed to be there. Like yeah. that's, it's, it's glaring for me because I, I know that there were scenes shot with, with Cavill that were cut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it was post credit or what it is, but it, wait, 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 like, I'll it push feels back on that. like, why do you know that? No, no. Well, how do you know me. that? It's been speculated that, that it's been speculated. Okay, that doesn't mean it happened. So, no, I'm not. Okay, I apologize. It's been speculated that there were scenes shot with Cavill that that are not in the film. From what we know, but so, my point is, this bridge scene feels like it's supposed to be a big, you know, the Justice League back together mm-hmm. moment there, and you get you get three of them, and yes, it's amazing anytime you see Gal Gadot on screen as Wonder Woman. I understand that. But my biggest thing was, I'm, you know, my second viewing, I'm sitting here beside, beside someone who loves Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman probably more than anybody I know, because my wife is a huge fan of the Wonder, especially the first Wonder Woman movie. She even adores Wonder Woman 84, which a lot of people can't say. And she even got a little excited when she popped up in Shazam. And then she pops up similarly here. And she's just like, eh. <laughs> and that yeah. shocks me. So... So, I, so okay, can, let's flip, let's flip that, the release time. I can agree exactly. So I can agree with that. I think the releases being so close together probably hurts that. But also, the films weren't filmed with that in yeah. um in the back of their mind either. So and to me, it never occurred to me that I thought the rest of the Justice League should have been there. That that didn't occur to me. I think in the film, it it explains away everyone enough for me, and. Mm-hmm. To me, it just it reminds me of. I keep making these Marvel comparisons today. I don't know why. It reminds me of Age of Ultron, where 
they're just working as a team, but other, but everyone's kind of doing their own thing. So they kind of get together when they can. And in this case, it was pretty much wrapped up, but Superman was still doing his thing. It's not really, you know, worth it for Aquaman to come there. It's not, you know, a water thing or anything. We don't know where Aquaman is. So it makes sense for Wonder Woman to be the one to come in and save him real quick and just kind of do her thing. Now, to me, I can understand why you might not like the scene itself, but I think her being there, I'll take her in anything. I don't care. Um, And I think it also would have meant more if we didn't get spoiled on her scene in Shazam. Yeah, I think if you just switch the release dates, like if you hadn't already seen her in in Shazam, like it would have been you it wouldn't have even like crossed your mind. Because I feel like for this movie, if you isolate it from that, and I'm not saying she shouldn't have, you know, been in Shazam because I feel like her role there is actually kind of critical to the ending. Yeah, that's more important of it. The Shazam role is definitely Um, more important. Yeah. But I, I think to to me it feels like it didn't bother me because like I said, it kind of sets the tone, this post like justice league, like world and kind of sets like it, it, it makes the fact that when Barry messes up time and none of these soups, meta humans are, are around, it kind of, kind of sets up what you're, what you're mm-hmm. missing, you know, and kind of the, the aftershocks of it. Yeah, yeah, that's that a really sense. good point. I mean, it, and it I, I could actually be never exactly. really thought about that, but that to me that is a really good point because you're setting up the fact that Barry relies on these people. Um, yeah, and we're like, well, I mean, even if you like, if Barry hadn't have been there, like Batman called Barry in for mm-hmm. a reason because Batman couldn't stop the hospital from collapsing, but he also couldn't a- and catch, you know, Falcone's son like running off with the virus. So like, there's if you take any of these people out of out of the equation you know shit goes bad like you take wonder woman out of it and batman and falcone fall into the river and the virus gets into the the water system anyway you take batman out of it and obviously like we don't even get to that point because someone either stops him or the hospital like and all these babies and stuff die like and that's kind of what the the consequences or further consequences of barry's time jump yeah and and just to move past all that, because we know what we know what happened there. Um, but I, I, do, I do love that. Ultimately, what this sets up is that Batman is kind of this mentor figure for Barry, and it leads to this conversation between Bruce Wayne, uh, Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne, and Barry, which we kind of touched on a little earlier, but to kind of compound, uh, you know, expand on that a little bit. You know, he he basically. Barry is in this constant thought process because he, he, you know, his dad's appeal is coming up um, for the, you know, the the alleged murder of Nora Allen and Barry's been trying for years, appeal after appeal to, to get his dad out of prison because he just firmly believes that his dad has been wrongly incarcerated for this. And, you know, there's we see this moment while he's talking to his dad on the phone where he goes back in time and he does see, you know, that what happens in the past. And it's just, he goes back briefly um, and he talks to Bruce about it and he's kind of trying to talk Bruce into 
talking him into actually doing Wait, um, it. Can I push back and, for a second? I'll, he doesn't go back in time there. He's just envisioning that. Okay, well, he said he went back a day. Oh, yeah, he went back in the baby yeah. scene. You're right. Um, he went back in time briefly in the baby scene. Um, but he's talking He's talking about the possibility yes. of going yes. back to save okay. his mom. And and then he even says something, you know, he says, he tells Bruce, well, I could save your parents. And Bruce kind of lays out for him, you know, the things that have happened, basically paraphrasing, but he says the things that have happened kind of happen for a reason and they make us who we are. And you could, I mean, this is in the trailers, you could destroy everything if you do what you're thinking. Um, so, but Barry can't be perturbed at this point or he can't be stopped. And he does go back in time. And I don't know. I just, I love the whole setup there. I love the conversation between those two and it may be, I don't know. I, it may be some of the best Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne stuff that we've had. So that whole conversation, I just wanted to get you guys thought on, you know, how they set it up. And there's a key, there's a key phrase in here. Um, because I think Barry asks Bruce, you know, would you, you want to go get a bite to eat? And Bruce says, not this time. Uh, maybe, what does he say? Joe, because you, you really picked up on this on your sec on your Not third this viewing. time, maybe some other time. Maybe some other time, yeah. Which comes back later in the film. But what did you what do you think, Joe? What do you think of this conversation between the? the I absolutely two? love this scene. Um, the action in this film aside, because it's all brilliant, um, in my opinion. I I think this scene and the final scene in the grocery store are my two favorite scenes of the film. I think this I think the grocery scene takes the the grocery store scene at the end takes the cake for me, but this one I love everything about this scene from a Batman fan. This may be I'm with mm-hmm. you. This may be my favorite Bruce Wayne uh Ben Affleck stuff. Uh I, I mean he's done so much good stuff as Batman. Um I love some of his Bruce Wayne stuff too, but this the pain and the the emotion on his face, almost like he wants to just hug Barry and say, oh, I know what you're going through and I've been there and trust me, it's not going to like, you can't do this to yourself. And he says, like, take it from a lonely old man. Like you can't let this ruin you because all I've done, it just made me a, you know, a bitter, angry old man with the mistakes I've made. And I love everything about this. And it's funny because Affleck has said like, he finally got the part. Like he finally understood his role as being Bruce Wayne in making this movie. But he mentioned the wonder woman scene to me. This is the scene where he nailed it. Like this is Mm -hmm. to me, like he, I don't know if he got the two scenes mixed up or if he truly believes like he got the lighthearted stuff down in the Wonder Woman scene because I think he's just having fun in that scene. Um, and then this mm. is where the emotional crux of the the character is at the forefront. And I, I just love the scene. I, I love everything about the scene. That line where it comes back later because I didn't catch it the first time I saw the film. Um, just brilliant. I, I love everything about it. Uh and just the fact that Barry is like, hey, like, do you want to you want to get something to eat? And and I think Bruce like wants to, but he knows like, for lack of a better term, he's just not that guy. Like he's like, I just yeah, like I'm yeah. like it's almost like he's past like 
It's like when you're just an older guy and you're just like, yeah, I'm not going out for pizza. Like, no. yeah. It's just like he's, like, he's like, no, I've already had too much of pizza. Yeah. Or, or not only like, that, I'm, like not like, even no. in the trivial sense of like, you know how like, you know, like I'm 36 years old now. And like if a 20 something year old kid was like, hey, like you want to go out and get a drink? It's like, no, nah, man, I'm going home and go to bed. Like, <laughs> like it's just yeah. not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love everything about it. I think the two actors there are just killing it. Mm hmm. Yeah, what about you, Matt? Thoughts on the conversation between Bruce and Barry? I think it's I think it's the perfect like foreshadowing like for uh, what we're all expecting to happen and like expecting Barry to like learn and like get to because it's like Bruce is already at that point where he understands like 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 he says like you know what what happened um, in the past is like what has led us to to be where we are today and be the people that we are and stuff. And that's, that's, it, it literally is the whole like moral and the, the, like I said, foreshadowing sets the, sets the slate for the, for the rest of the movie. And it's a nice little setup for what Barry kind of comes to realize to a degree at the end of the, you know, at the end of the movie, because he still, he still can't resist trying to, to alter something to save save his parents instead of letting it um go back to to flowing naturally mm-hmm. but um it it sets you know kind of the contrast of you know i'm sure i i feel like athlete does a good job of of showing a bruce that sees in barry a younger bruce wayne that had that same mindset of you know what would I do to bring back and save my own parents and, and kind of in a way, like, you know, what he did, you know, like Bruce was just blessed with, with access to money instead of access to the speed force, you know? So, I mean, he kind of, the whole Batman thing was because of his parents. So, um, yeah. And I, I think yeah, that's, I a, think it's, I think it's wonderfully set up. And I think that's a, that's a, a good point. Cause it, it almost, you almost see it working in Bruce's mind. You know, what, what would I do if I had his abilities, mm-hmm. you know? And I think you kind of see that. Um, but yeah, that, so that, that becomes kind of the crux of the film because Barry does, you know, he's, I mean, there's a, there's some steps in that we're going to miss in the story beats, but we're not going completely through the story, but you know, in essence, he does end up going back in time. And it causes all kinds of problems. And he, he learns about branching, you know, I love the way that Keaton explains it later in the movie where it's not branching timelines, where it's intersections Mm -hmm. where all the, all these events, it's like, uh, he said, it's like spaghetti. Cause I love when he throws the spaghetti in the plate and he's like, you know, there's some of the, some of the strands run parallel, but eventually there, there are certain intersections that are going to happen in each and every timeline. And that for me is just, <laughs> I love the way that, that they make that um, example because it, it, it really lays out and clearly defines the rules of time travel in this world. So like, and we find out later in the movie, you know, that because when they end up going against Zod and they're trying to, you know, Supergirl and, and the Flash and Keaton's Batman, they're trying to stop Zod. And the same thing keeps happening over and over and over again. And Barry realizes this is the intersection, you know, so it, it's a callback back to the spaghetti and, and how 
this is inevitable. It's going to happen every single time and I can't stop it. And it's kind of, um, it kind of goes back to the Superman, Superman conundrum. You know, you have all this power, but you cannot save everyone. And it's kind of similar here where the flash has all this power. He can reverse time, but there's certain things that even him with all these abilities, he cannot change. And it's going to happen over and over and over again. So, you know, open to you guys. What do you think of, of how they set up time travel and how the ramifications work in this movie? Well, I love the, the parallel hard spaghetti, like the dry spaghetti. I, I think that's the first, we talked about it on the flashpoint paradox episode where when you mess with the future, you mess, with, it changes the past because I think that's explained so well by just taking the two parallel, um, you know, dry spaghetti, uncooked spaghetti, and you make it, you turn it. So it affects any points to both sides. It's, it's to say like, yeah, it, just because if you mess with a, a point in time, it, it messes with everything. Um, I think that was a great way of explaining it visually, as opposed to just how in Flashpoint Paradox, Eobard just says it and you just kind of go with it. Um, mm -hmm. I think everything about the way they handle time travel and this is great. I think it's so fun to see the changes in the universe he created. Um, just to go to that real quick, like the, I'm sorry, the Eric, Eric Stoltz, Stoltz joke is the best joke in the movie. <laughs> that is hysterical. Um, I wonder how many people don't get that though, because we're movie nerds. Like that, that's so obvious to us. Why that's funny. Do other people just think, Oh, why would they not have cast in Michael J. Fox? Like, do they not even know who Eric Stoltz is? Like, I, I love that. That's joke. a good question. Matt, Matt, did you get that? Um, I don't like full. I feel like I don't <laughs> fully know the joke, okay, but I'm assuming awesome. that Eric Stoltz was supposed so to be he, yes, he was originally cast as Marty yeah. McFly yeah and he, there there is footage okay, of him as I, Michael J as um Marty McFly in the movie or I'm sorry not in the well yeah actually there is like uh, there's part of the film he's actually in it but you don't see his face obviously um but he filmed a good portion of the movie and they said like it wasn't working and they called Michael J Fox back because originally Michael J Fox couldn't do it because of scheduling and it's it's a pretty crazy story. Gotcha. I, I figured I yeah. figured it was something like that, and I meant to look it up. But <laughs> yeah, it's a really what's great though. What's great though is that's the biggest sticking point for for Barry. All these other things have changed, <laughs> and he's like, "What? Michael J. Fox is Marty McFly." <laughs> I love that. That's that's what messes up his mind the most. And the quick all this. the quick thing with the great balls of fire in um. So it was a chain reaction of Top Gun was Kevin Bacon. Um, or was it Patrick Swayze was Top Gun? It was a whole bunch of chain reactions of things, and it was Great Balls of Fire was in Top Gun. But I feel like it was I feel like it was a lot of uh, like uh, references that are like oh, memes yeah. now from people. Yeah, like either they were in consideration for it and stuff. That's what I took out of it. I was like, oh, okay, but well, this is the universe where all these like would be it castings and stuff yeah, I thought it was happened. Great. And I think it's, I think it's, I think it like stuck. and was a good way to like, um, segue into all of the, like mm -hmm. the bigger changes because it was like, you know, Barry kind of expects, oh, well this, you know, would be different because I didn't have this or, or anything. And then it's kind of like, but why would, why would, why would Marty McFly be somebody completely different? Exactly. That's why it's just funny to me. Like, yeah. Like why, like why, why would me saving my mom have anything to do with who got exactly. cast as Marty McFly? Like that makes no sense. And that's, what's kind of blowing mm -hmm. his mind. Like, um, 
And as far as like the time travel thing goes, I love I love the spaghetti analogy because it's it's like before you know before Barry went back in time at all, we did just have you know just the one the one strand, but now because of him going back, I feel like it kind of shows that there is no, especially the ending of the movie is you know okay so he goes back in time um and drops the spaghetti in his mom's cart so that she doesn't send his dad out so then she doesn't die so okay well then to fix it or get tomatoes sorry (laughs) um he he goes back and to fix that he takes the tomato can back out um but then he you know and let's just say that he didn't rearrange the shelving and stuff at the end of the movie to to save his dad so you see his dad's face he's already gone back in time once and now had to go back a second time and 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 change so now we've got two to three different occurrences of someone interfering with it that kind of just there is no going back there is no going back and and undoing what's already kind of been done which is again compounds on the moral of the story is you can't like change like you can change things but it doesn't mean you're automatically changing them for the better and you can't really take back those actions and it kind of just like i said i feel like he could go back and he could uh rearrange the spaghetti a third time to so he, he could go back again after he's realized that stuff is still messed up and put all the um tomato cans back on you know the bottom shelf or the lower shelf well now that could still have messed things up yet again and not get us back to to where we were can we talk about the ending then do you want to jump into that real quick or do you want to go in order no yeah we can absolutely talk about it um so are you talking about the very end of the film? Well, just what Matt was saying with the implications of him. He knows he has to go back and, and let his mom die. Um, best part of the movie for me, hands down. I've cried every time I've seen it. Um, but he then decides, okay, I have to let my mom die because that'll change everything back. He thinks prior to that moment. Or it'll fix, you know, the major stuff. But he thinks, okay, but if I just put the tomatoes on the top shelf, that'll just clear my dad from the point I decided to go back in time forward. That'll change that. It won't change anything drastically past that. So I think he know. I wanted to discuss whether you guys feel, did he expect changes to occur while doing that? And accepted that it was worth the risk to get his dad off? Or was he completely caught off guard by anything that would have changed from doing that? In my opinion, I feel like Barry accepted that by him doing that, it would probably mess with things a little bit, but he was willing to go with it because he couldn't let it, he had to let his mom die. He had to try something to save his dad that he felt was much more minimal than what would have happened to his mom. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I have a. L- I think that's well. That's my favorite part of the movie because I think it's up for interpretation. I don't think there is an answer to that, and I like that. 
I like that. I like that there is no answer to that. And I know some people hate that. Some people don't like to actually have to think about this stuff and not have an answer. Where to me, I love the fact that we don't know what he's thinking in that situation. We don't know if he knew that was going to happen or not. So I love that we can kind of discuss that and wonder what happened or why it happened. Like, is it like, like um, Matt was just saying how it didn't matter whether he moved those tomatoes or not. It could have still been surprise George Clooney at the end, whether he moved the tomatoes or not. Well, my thing is it's, it, it can be a slight nitpick because he does seem extremely surprised when it's a different Bruce Wayne at the end of the movie. Um, but he just got done explaining to the other Barry, you know, we can't keep doing this. We have to reset things, you know, or it could, you know, it could destroy everything. And yet it's either that he still doesn't understand or that he did decide to make that choice. But it seems like it's that he still doesn't quite understand because he's still shocked when George <laughs> Clooney shows up at the end. So it could be a little bit of a nitpick. Yeah, see, I didn't take it that way. I didn't take it that he I'm, was shocked that things changed. I think he was shocked because he was like, who the hell is that? Like, he didn't think people were going to change physical appearance. You know what I mean? Like, who would have expected that? He hadn't experienced that. Well, Wonder Woman. So, I, what do you mean? Because the Wonder Woman he found in the Young Barry's world <laughs> was not Gal Gadot. <laughs> Wait, what? I think that's oh, just bad. Yeah. I think that's just no, bad that, Google search. No, like, was, yeah. I mean, you could probably find something. Yeah, yeah no, on, that's that's not what that was. Now, that was like, just, he I just know, was a Google Wonder Woman. I, I forgot about that. I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's kind of like I like I like Joe's take on it as far as like you know because like when he's changing the tomatoes, he may be thinking, well, this is not going to affect anything that hadn't happened yet because it's like in my timeline my dad's appeal hadn't exactly happened so like maybe if i can just do this it'll it, it won't change you know i'm not stopping anybody doing anything that's going to stop someone from you know well, it's not that he, big because he didn't know about the six-year-old that um, couldn't reach the tomatoes now for their their mom and it killed their mom instead like so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and it's just, it's more of a, like, and the thing is, his mom surviving shouldn't have changed the fact that, like, we got, like, exactly. Keaton's, where, like, I don't think he grasped the fact that it was, you've now created this, you've gone from one single nice and easy <laughs> timeline to, like, this mess of spaghetti that's just all, like, oh. and it's not there. Or, but my, my nitpick with it is... It's like kind of like what Eric was saying was we've gone through this whole movie of him trying to learn and trying to like realize I, I, I can't change this without making a, a, a bigger mistake like or making that having without it having even greater. I can't make use this much power to make such a powerful change because it is I mean I mean altering time like that like that's a huge thing and without it having consequences and it's like okay we grasp that we have the whole scene with his mom and then it's like five seconds later he's still falling into like temptation it's almost like it's almost like that that alcoholic that finally like gets through you know their 12-step program and is like okay like i i understand it now and then someone asked them hey you want to go grab grab drinks like t 
tonight to you know celebrate whatever and they're like you know what yes i do like kind of thing and just like completely relapses and and forgets about everything everything else it just doesn't it kind of undoes the whole um the whole concept of well the, yeah the because process i mean of, ultimately of the movie it, i think it just boils down to he can't help himself he, he has to try to make at least yeah. some part of this right um, because I, I joked about the Wonder Woman thing before, but, but, but yes, he absolutely did see a huge difference. And, it, and it's the crux of the movie is him going to get Batman because he finds out, whoa, this is not the Batman I know. So clearly he does see that, you know, oh, there can yeah, be radical right. differences. <laughs> um, so I think it just boils down to he can't help himself and he has to try to mm-hmm. save his dad. Uh, he knows that he can't save his mom. And I think in part of his brain, it's like, okay, well, dad still goes to the store. So the only thing that changes is he's seen on the camera. So at least he doesn't go to prison. So maybe that is a slight enough change um, where all of this won't be affected. But we see at the very end when we see George Clooney instead of Ben Affleck, that uh, clearly it does. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, just... To go back a little bit, I did want to talk about the whole thing with with Zod. Um, I love the setup of, and it's one of the huge changes as well because we don't have Superman in this world; we have Supergirl. Um, so I, I love that it harkens back to Man of Steel, and that Zod is kind of he's not really the big bad because Barry's decisions are the big bad in this film. But you have this problem of that they have to they have to take out Zod. And they go that they find Supergirl um, and she's, you know, she's kind of like Superman in the Flashpoint story. She's been locked away. You know, she's she's been captured when she landed. She's been locked away all this time and they have to rescue her. And she doesn't want a part of this until she sees what Zod is doing to the world uh, and what he wants to do. So just kind of revisiting, you know, the Zod story point. What did you guys think of, of Zod being kind of the obstacle in this movie? Joe, you can you can start us off. Um, I'll be honest, I was a little underwhelmed with the Zod stuff in this movie. I expected, I think, more of it. Um, mm. but what we got, I think, served the story. It was like we didn't get Zod as the big bad, like you said. That's not the point of this story. Um, but I think they served the purpose well to give Barry something that he had to fight for in this alternate timeline. And I think what they were given, um, they're scary as hell. They're vicious. There's no, you know, they're relentless. Um, I think we get some really good flash stuff in that scene. And I think we get enough of the Zod stuff and the whole army, but I think I, I probably could have used a little more of them if I'm being honest. But again, that's it's a nitpick. It's it's something small because I don't think it's necessary. It's just me wanting more because it's Michael Shannon as Zod, it's Feora, uh, and Jay Trow as as Feora, who I loved. Um, mm. I would have liked to have seen more of them. But again, they they serve the the purpose. They they do what they're supposed to do there, and it was fine. Yeah, for me, it was just seeing them again was was exciting, mm. and seeing them you know do what they, I I wasn't. I honestly got exactly what I expected because I didn't think Zod was going to be a big bad for the movie. Cause I had seen, you know, we had seen, I thought dark flash was going to be more of a big bad. 
Um, but even he, I mean, he's yeah. just he's just a product of young Barry trying over and over and over again to to save the world, uh, or to save his world and his mom. Uh, it's really like I said, it's Barry's decisions that is the antagonist of this film. Um, but Matt, what did you think of of the whole Zod story plot? Um, I love seeing it again. Um, and and, and I love how it. Um, how they harken back to like the the meeting and stuff like with the with the military and and things and how how that turns out differently because of um, you don't have Superman we don't have Kal El there yeah we don't have Superman there we don't have someone to to act as as a liaison kind of for us. Um, and uh, and of course, like one of my favorite things, uh, like I love, I love anytime we have Kryptonians fighting. Like that's especially done in this universe. Like it's one of my favorite things about Man of Steel. Um, it, it it's always a spectacle and it's always fun. And 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 kind of like Joe, like I wish we could have got a little bit more. I did feel like there wasn't as much, but at the same time, I can't I can't say well this is a Flash movie and it's and it be a flash movie and we have yeah, exactly half the movie we have a huge act three like we did in man of steel of of kryptonians battling like if i want to see that I'll, I'll go back and watch man of steel but uh i loved how it was how it was done and how we kind of got to see a couple of different takes with uh you know with them going back and 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 learning kind of okay well their suits will actually kill them. And I thought that was a nice touch too, because it's like, in my head, I'm like, okay, like, how are we going to, like, if they're going to beat him, like, how are we actually going to beat him? Like, without having, especially after they killed car for the first time, I was like, well, okay, there went the only person on earth that can break Zod's neck mm. um, and, and put these people down. And, um, so I liked how we kind of had pseudo kryptonite with their um, with their suits, and and as soon as I saw um, uh, Barry get the piece stuck in his arm, it clicked, and I was like, oh, that's like I I kind of I kind of knew where things were going, but it did it didn't take from it when it actually when it actually happened. Yeah, and and I will say since we're talking about you know. Joe, you said you were a little underwhelmed with the with the Zod um, part of the movie. I will say I was, even though I do think she she performed the part admirably. I think Sasha Kaya, with what she was given, she was great. I was a little underwhelmed with Supergirl in the movie, and I don't think you can make it a focal point, just like you can't make Batman the focal point of the movie. It is Flash's movie, but I think this is one of the thing things where. Um, the anticipation and everything that I was hearing coming into the movie about how, you know, Sasha Kaye was a standout in this movie and she, uh, you know, she, she was the, the shining performer. Um, I, I guess uh, after hearing all that and especially seeing some of the comments from people who saw the early releases before I did were just all this praise on Sasha Kaye. And then I saw the movie. I'm like, well, she's good, but I don't feel like all that was necessarily warranted. And I don't know, Joe, you saw an early screening. You saw one before I did. So you can speak a little more on that, but I, I was a little underwhelmed with her inclusion in the movie. So what I just gathered from, you don't like wonder woman. You don't like Supergirl, So you don't like women, Eric, what the hell? 
Like, no, I wanted more <laughs> of Sasha Kaye is what I'm saying. So, uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, I'm the complete opposite with her as I am with Zod with you. I loved her in this. And I think it's because my expectations for her were kind of in check where I was anticipating Zod more than her. And I got to say, the only other part in this film where I get teary-eyed is her talking to the two berries about how she came to realize that she's going to fight with them. I love that scene. That is so my, that's the only, not the grocery store scene. No, besides the grocery uh, (laughs) store scene. Sorry. That's this. The other time where I cried was that scene. Okay. Um, the, that scene to me, is is perfect i love everything about i could have done without second barry saying supergirl oh it means hope like that little bit of a humorous beat in the middle of that emotional scene that's my one nitpick with the humor in this movie because Mm -hmm. i feel like that was the only time they ever kind of utter cut something with a joke but her performance in that scene to me was perfect i i love her in that scene um I think she showed great range between the anger of the scene with Zod and that one with the, with the heart and, and taking care of Barry and and telling her how important it is for her to still be a good person and recognizing that Zod is not what her, her planet is about. So I, I personally, that scene hit with me and I, I think she's badass for the rest of the movie too. I got what I expected. I got more than what I expected out of her. Um, and before we move on to let you guys talk, I got to say too, I think she is stunning in this movie. Like beautiful. I, I oh, was she's like distracted. I was distracted by how beautiful she looked in that suit. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. But um, but I, I think her performance was incredible. I, I loved her in this. And I do hope we get more of her going forward because I think she did a fantastic job. Well, and I think that's the biggest thing is I, I want I think I wanted more of her, which is a good mm-hmm. problem to have. But Absolutely. I will say I, I was just joking with you. I, I know well, I what know. you were trying to say. Um, I just felt like I, I got enough out of her because, again, I, I go back to that. It, it is a Flash movie. Um, and it's weird because I, I again, like I'm the complete opposite of you with Zod and her. It's like our I think our expectations affected both of our perspectives on that. Yeah. And, and I will say one of her best pieces of acting in the movie doesn't even include dialogue because it's when she's floating above the sky with the whole military scene where Zod mm-hmm. is meeting the military. Yep. And when he starts attacking just oh, yeah. the acting on her face, when she realizes what's happening and what Zod is, I think that's some of the best acting she did in the movie. And there's not even a line yep. of dialogue. Um, but anyway, what did you, what did you think of, of Supergirl and her inclusion in the movie, Matt? Um, I, I I love the performance and the way she was done. I have no complaints about her at all. Um, it I think this kind of again goes back to the the like way the movie was like uh, marketed and stuff. We got so much in the trailers of uh, of Zod and and Supergirl and and Keaton's Batman and stuff. Um, and I think it kind of set expect, and even with you guys, like hearing from people that had seen advanced screenings and talked about how, how great her performance was. I, I think her performance was great, but I don't think it made the movie for me like Ezra's did. Um, yeah. We, 
I, I feel like that's what a lot of people are probably trying to say is like, oh, Supergirl, like, you know, it was the best performance or, or whatever. And, and, and to me, that's not, that's not the case. I'm not, there's nothing wrong. I cannot think of any like nitpicks with her, the way she was written or, 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 or anything. Um, but I, and, and there's ways in my head, like I can, like, if someone says maybe if she kind of felt a little underpowered, um, to me, um, because of like how how quickly and easily I guess she got beat, but I know that's kind of that's kind of writing. But at the same time, like in my head, I headcanon I have like well, Clark spent like twenty five years in in yellow sunlight, and Kara has spent not even twenty four hours in it. You know, mm-hmm. so that kind of to me kind of explains that but i thought she was fantastic i thought she looked great um i would not be opposed to seeing more of her in the future if that's a possibility there's speculation so maybe um but yeah i mean just there's so much in this movie that we could talk about um but unfortunately i mean we we can't (laughs) we we don't have the time to focus on every little thing but i did want to really focus on the ultimate lesson that barry learns through you know from the two Batman and from Supergirl and from everything that happens in this alternate timeline is that he can't, you know, he can't change the past without affecting the entire timeline. And and we've seen that throughout the film, but the beautiful scene in the grocery store, we've alluded to it. So I did want to give a moment to that. Um, when Barry realizes he has to let his mother die. I, absolutely adore the scene where he goes to the grocery store and he had gone in earlier and gone back to the grocery store and put the tomatoes in the cart so that, you know, what happened to his mom doesn't happen. And he realizes he has to change that. So he goes back and he has this little tender moment with his mom and she doesn't even really, you know, she just thinks she's being very kind to a stranger. She doesn't know that this is her son, um, but it's such a touching moment between mother and, and, and son so I, Matt, I'll let you start off with this one. What did you think of this scene and, and how they kind of wrap up the movie here with basically Barry without saying it, saying goodbye to his mom? I, I thought it was one of the, his best perform Ezra's best performances. Um, and who, who's the actor that plays his mom? Um, hers, hers as well. Um, um, so it's Maribel Verdu. It. Maribel Verdu. Well, she did a fantastic job as well. Um, I think. I think the tendency, maybe as a writer or something, is to kind of, or or as an actor, is to kind of show, um, you know, some recognition or something in her face, like she realizes, like she is talking to her son and stuff, and in some iterations and of the story i feel like that would make sense but with with this one i i i didn't really get that like you know i just really felt like she was genuinely connecting to a a stranger someone she had no idea like who it was and kind of putting herself in the same thing and then just speaking truth about how she feels you know like or how she would treat her son and then and barry realizing that and knowing that she's 
talking to him but without actively knowing that she's talking to him mm-hmm. um and it, i i got a very genuine sense of um emotion from from ezra's performance and from and from hers um and it, it's only undone slightly by the the messing with time addiction that he he demonstrates like there um at the uh at the end kind of kind of undoing that like i've already said mm-hmm. but in that moment i i love the scene absolutely and joe what did you think i know this is one of your favorite parts yeah i mean i've already pretty much touched on the scene i i love it i think the emotion is there um i've gotten uh, ugly tears uh, all three times i've seen the scene um and i'll be honest mm-hmm. with you after seeing the first early screening um when i got out of the screening uh i had a text from my mom saying like she was <laughs> my mom lives like two minutes from me and she was like she went shopping for me for something like she got me like cold cuts for the week for work because she was going to the store and she's like you can come pick it up on your way home i'm like mom it's gonna be late like i don't need to pick it up on my way home it's fine and she's like no no, no i'll be up seriously when that movie ended i'm like oh i have to stop and see my mom now like there's uh, no way that's and awesome I, and I, I, I gave her a hug and I'm, I'm like, yeah, you're going to have to see this movie with me eventually. And I explained to her a little bit about what the movie was about. And I just, you know, I gave her a hug the second night and told her I loved her. And, you know, you just, I, I like what these movies can do for us in real life. And I think more people need to bring these emotional beats to their own lives. And this is super corny. I get it, but I think it's important for us to keep perspective in our own lives, to take these you know, entertaining works of art and make us better people. And uh, I think when a movie can do that for myself, uh, that means a lot. And I, yeah. I, I love it. I, I whole, wholeheartedly agree. That's the, to me, that's the whole point of, of good literature, of good fiction is to, is to tell a good story, but to, in the end, like give us stuff that we can mm-hmm. take, take yeah. from it and, and become better people or, or make better decisions. Completely agree. Okay, last thing I want to touch on, because this one's going a little long. Um, I knew it would, though. So the multiverse aspect of the film. So we did. We touched on it a little oh, bit at the I beginning. We didn't even get to that. <laughs> I know, and I did want to bring it up. So we talked about George Clooney popping up at the end. Obviously, great surprise. Got a big pop from the crowd at my screening. But of course, there's this whole scene between the two berries and this and the dark flash, where you know the, the young Barry keeps going back in time over and over and over again to kind of change this big battle where Batman and Supergirl die. Um, but the more he does it, we see these worlds colliding in the speed force and we see George Reeves, Superman, and we see Christopher Reeve, Superman, and we see super, Oh God, what was her name? Joe? Um, Helen the actress, Helen, Helen Slater. We see Helen Slater, Supergirl. We see Nicholas cage, Superman. We see, you know, we see a glimpse of Adam West, Batman. We see mm-hmm. a, um, debatable who he is flash uh joe thinks it's teddy sears i'm not it's so convinced teddy sears. there is no way that is not teddy sears i am sorry i've seen it three times now it is teddy sears and it makes no sense <laughs> well teddy sears says it's not him so because it makes no sense <laughs> so anyway um i thought i think it's amazing i i did think this was one of the things in the preview screening, because they told us we haven't seen everything, I thought there would be more of this, but it turns out, no, this is what it is. So uh, just 
overall thoughts, guys, because I think it's amazing. I I think there could have been more, but it's a nitpick um, just because I'm a greedy fan. Um, I love seeing all these different DC variations. So, uh, Joe, what did you think of all these uh, multiverse DC characters? Well, it's funny because like I didn't even realize we hadn't even discussed this yet. And I, I think that's because it's a fun multiverse nod in a flash movie but to me this wasn't gonna make or break the movie for me it's just a fun little segment that throws in some stuff some winks some nods to to pay tribute to some of these characters and i got everything i needed out of it do i wish we got a little more Uh, i think i think it's a missed opportunity to not have grant gustin um i think like i I agree that teddy sears cameo whatever the hell it was that could have been just Grant Gustin. Nobody would have cared. Nobody would have batted an eye. Why not? Or at the most, make it John Mulsey ship. Like it made no sense to be what it was. That's my one big complaint. But other than that, I, I don't care because to me it's non, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Non consequential, uh, inconsequential <laughs> for, um, what the story is. It's just there and I'm fine with it. Yeah. Gotcha. And what about you, Matt? The multiverse DC characters. I I agree with um with what Joe said. Um, but I feel like more importantly, it kind of just opens the door, um, of kind of officially. Like we've had the like there was the Arrowverse crossover that kind of uh, you know, opened the door like officially that you know all of the the dc like things were you know could exist in the same like multiverse or or whatever but um i think it kind of just opens the doors for anything going forward is kind of fair game Mm -hmm. um and gives uh gives mr gunn kind of the ability to and i know that you know i don't know when you know we don't know when that scene at the end with the worlds colliding and stuff like was it in development you know or was it always supposed to be there like how often it was changed or or whatever um but it kind of it kind of opens the doors like i said for us to be able to for them to be able to to do whatever they want to you know going forward as far as restructuring and and revamping and, and things and um kind of goes back to the whole uh bowl of spaghetti kind of scenario like they can kind of bring whatever they want to or change add new things um and it still kind of all works like canonically gotcha yeah all right well we've talked about the ending we've talked about the multiverse i know that there's probably a ton we've missed but that is where we're gonna have to wrap it up just just based on time and guys we are definitely not talking about this uh, done talking about this movie there will be more in the future i'm sure you guys have thoughts you're gonna send emails we're looking forward to that uh, but i do want to kind of uh, put a pin in it here but I don't want to leave until we get some final thoughts and a battering rating from all of us. So Matt, we'll start with you. Give us your final thoughts on the new DC film, the flash and a battering rating out of 10. I think it is a wonderful movie. It is a flash movie 
uh, first and foremost, and within uh, the world that it is set, it gives us the uh, the best uh, f both Flash origin story and Flash uh, like Flashpoint um, live action. Um, that I feel like we could have got set in this universe. Um, I said at the beginning, and I told you, it's it does not take my number one spot uh, um, for DC uh, U movies, um, but it's a very strong contender for second. Um, and then the the nitpicks that I kind of already talked about with the with the ending scene and um, some of the uh, the issues with like the batman performance and stuff this probably seems like a some heavy points to take off but the number that just sits in my head because i knew you were going to ask for a battering rating i knew it so i've been thinking about it ever since i saw it thursday night um and i still stick with with eight out of ten so eight out of ten batterings uh for the flash for me. nice awesome all right and what about you joe final thoughts on the flash and a battering rating i think this movie has everything that i wanted in it it has the humor it has the emotion it has the action it has three batmen <laughs> um i i love it actually it has four if you count adam west i forgot um so i i love it i was actually prepared for the batarang writing myself i for the first time usually i completely forget um i can't believe i'm upping uh, matt with this i'm going nine out of ten uh, I really did love this movie. I, I mean, I've seen it now, th uh, three times and I'm pretty confident in it's going to stay there. So yeah, I'm going nine out of 10. I, I love it. And I, it disappoints me that for some reason people are hating on it and nitpicks aside, it's, it did not detract from my enjoyment at all. So there you go. Nice. High praise. I like it. Okay. So far as myself, um, this is, this is the movie I thought we were going to get, but there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the trailers did not lie to us. They kind of laid out everything it was going to be. And it was, um, you know, there was a few things in my initial screening that I was like, I wish we could have got this. I wish we could have got that. But then on the second screening, knowing what it was, I think it worked a lot better for me. Um, I really, really loved my, my second viewing of this. Um, and funnily enough, the second viewing, crowd was a lot more enthusiastic than the preview screening crowd. So that was fun. Uh, I loved seeing, of course, the multiple Batman in the movie. Michael Keaton was great in his return. It's like he never missed a beat. Ben Affleck is still my favorite Batman and I thought he was awesome too. But overall, this was just a really good flash movie. You know, I wanted to see the flash and, and that's what we got. Um, so I'm very happy with, with the film that we have don't know where it's going to go in the future, but that doesn't matter. I'm just basing it off of this movie alone. And I actually fall right between you guys. I am at an eight and a half out of 10 batarangs. So uh, yeah, I mean, either way you look at it, high praise, an eight, a nine and an eight and a half out of 10. So we all enjoyed the flash. And if you've made it this far and you haven't seen the movie, what are you doing? Go see it. Uh, go check it out. It's still available in theaters and will be for a while. Uh, but yep, highly recommend the flash and that's where we're going to end it for today. So guys, 
Matt, Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. And Matt, if you would tell everybody where they can find you, it, it I think you're still kind of taking a hiatus though from social media, right? Yeah. Um, you shouldn't really be able to find me anywhere okay. <laughs> um, that I can contact you. Uh, but I am in contact with Eric throughout the week. Um, so if you guys have any questions, direct it to the direct it to the podcast contacts um, and uh, just mention me in it. And Eric will Eric will get to me and uh, you'll get my response. Mag- uh, Matt is like the shaggy headed uh, bearded Michael Keaton. He's, <laughs> he's recluse. Nobody knows where he is or what he's doing. Uh, all right, Joe. Uh, thank you so much again for joining me, uh, being my co-host here. So why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah, thanks for having me, and I'm glad uh, Mac was able to join us for this one, too. It's fun when we have an extra person on. Uh, So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd as jforn11, and you can find me on Facebook as Joe Fornarotto, F-O-R-N-A-R-O-T-T-O. Awesome. And as for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd at MeCarter89. That's M-E-Carter89. The show can be found at TFR Batpod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Once again, if you have thoughts or opinions or suggestions for the show, send us an email. That's TFRBatpod at gmail.com. We do have some messages we're not going to get to today, but we will get to those on the next episode. And then if you want to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us a rating and review on wherever you get your podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Just leave us a rating and review. It helps the show tremendously. But for myself, for Joe, for Matt, thank you so much for joining us, guys. And go see The Flash. And until next time, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and is the sole property of Warner Brothers Discovery. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Comics, or DC Studios. The thoughts and opinions of the participants of this show are their own and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Like I said, I feel like he could go back and he could uh, rearrange the spaghetti again. Uh, That's not good. <laughs> Someone like, has set off the fire alarm in my home. <laughs> <laughs> um.